1: Hi, welcome to Nick Luck Daily. It is Wednesday, the 26th of October. Tom Stanley in for Nick again. I think he'll be back tomorrow. Fear not. And we start with uh, big news domestically yesterday, which broke perhaps a little later than expected. And that is that the Irish media rights are all but certain to remain where they are currently. That is the that they've gone to the the joint bid between RMG and CIS. Let me read out the the HRI media statement first of all. They said the HRI Media Rights Committee has announced that following a tender process for the sale of Irish horse racing's media rights for the period 24 to 28, it has selected Sports Information Services and Racecourse Media Group as its preferred bidders and will now enter into a period of exclusivity during which the Media Rights Committee and the preferred bidders will commence negotiations in order to finalise the proposed agreement, etc., No further comment is going to be offered at this time. I'm joined by broadcaster and journalist Rishi Passad. Obviously worth pointing out that that Rishi and I do work for RMG and for for Racing TV. uh, And also by the Racing Post, David Jennings, who wrote an article about this um, regarding the news yesterday. Um, Both of you, welcome along, David, to to start with you first of all, if I can. All but certain for the, the status quo to remain. I guess it's fair to say whichever way it was going to go it was not going to please everyone. How do you see this being received?
2: No, and I suppose we've been waiting for the news for the last couple of weeks um and it came yesterday evening. Uh, I think it was going that way I think from talking to people at race courses in the last kind of couple of weeks it seemed to be that it was going to stay on racing TV. It's not going to please everybody. It will be interesting to see just how many are pleased because I remember the Racing Post did a did a survey or a poll on Twitter back when, when it broke that, that at the time Racing UK which turned into Racing TV uh, won the rights um, a couple of years ago and I think 86% of that poll said it was a negative move. Um, so i say that has certainly changed. I don't think 86% of people if we did a poll now would be disgusted that that Racing TV have won the rights, to Irish Racing. There's obviously a lot of things to factor in here you know that it's it's obviously behind a paywall and you have to pay for Racing TV whereas if it wasn't Sky Spice- sports racing uh, it, it wouldn't cost as much uh for racing fans um but then you've got the team and I suppose the way the team is gelled in racing tv as well over here in Ireland obviously Gary O'Brien and Kevin O'Brien switched over and you know it, it's a pretty pretty solid talented Irish team of broadcasters that we've got here at the moment and I do think that while a lot of people will be disappointed that it's not switching back to Sky Sports Racing as it is now, I certainly think a lot more people will be happier than they were a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, I, I think you know Rishi and I will remember that when the initial decision was made, there there was um, vitriol out there, there was a lot of a lot of negativity, um, and it and I suppose it's nice to hear that um, that that won't be um the case now and, and certainly not to the to the same extent. Rishi, from from your point of view, as somebody that's mm. that's covered um both the British and Irish racing from over in Ireland at the, the Punchestown Festival and, and covered it from over here as well and, and worked with the team. What what do you feel have been or are the the main challenges of of of, of pitting the, the, the best Irish and British racing together on one channel?
3: Well it's a simple one Tom you know the, the clashes uh is the, the, the ability to, to highlight the, the, the major meetings, uh, whether they're in Ireland or in Britain, remains an issue. Um, <clears throat> because of the plethora of racing that we have on racing TV, there are bound to be clashes. And there are days, over the period of time that we have covered Irish racing in, in conjunction with uh, racing in the UK, over that period of time, there have been numerous clashes, of course, It's got as time has gone on, but there are still issues that come up every now and then. And that remains one of the big challenges going forward up until uh, 2028 or however far this contract will go. Um, That remains one of the major issues, because that is something that constantly irritates the viewer. Uh, You know, whether whether we're clashing in Britain or an island, that's something that's that's going to be an issue. Racing TV, I'm sure RMG are going to do their absolute best to help with that. But there are options along the way. You know, There are people who still complain about the fact that uh, it clashes on their main screen. However, there's still the option, if you have that option, of going to watch dedicated coverage um, at every race course, whether it's in Britain or in Ireland. Uh, so there is that. But that continues to be one of the major issues. I, th- I think one of, the, one of the things that I certainly, um, as a part of Racing TV and RMG, uh, I, that I'm proud of is the fact that I feel like racing TV have fully respected and given credence to the quality of coverage on both sides of, of the sea, both in, in Britain and in Ireland. And, and the racing in Ireland, I feel, as, uh, as someone who, who lives in the UK who's a, who's a racing fan, I feel that being part of the racing TV story, it, it's, it's terrific that we've got it all on one channel because obviously it makes, it, it makes life easier for us, if I'm entirely honest, as racing fans to have all the good racing in one place. Um, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to to admit that there is a bias within that. But just as a racing fan, I, I find it easy to follow like that. Um, I do think that there are still going to be challenges and there's still going to be moments where we will, no doubt, annoy or irritate or frustrate viewers along the way. But it's becoming less so, I believe. And I think David alluded to it, um, you know, talking about the, the start of the uh, racing TV uh, coverage of Racing in Ireland uh, all those years ago and and there was. You used the word vitriol David used the statistics of 86% uh, against Racing TV getting it. I think both of those, the vitriol has certainly eased and I think the percentages have not evened up but it's, it's not as bad as it was originally and I think that is down to the fact that Racing TV have given uh, the respect that Irish Racing certainly deserves and shown that by the quality of the coverage hopefully by the people who represent racing TV, you know, passionate about it. Not saying that other channels aren't. Obviously, they are. Um, but I hope that people at home watching uh, appreciate and and acknowledge the fact that this is something that racing TV, uh, you know, whether it's the, the people who work behind or in front of the screen, really do care about Irish racing and, um, and are, are, are proud to have it.
1: Right. So, so how do we solve the, the problem of race clashing for or the insult, the unsolvable problem of, of, of races clashing um, for those that, you know, the, the, and I appreciate there are there are plenty out there who, who want to watch all races live on the, on the television in front of them. And, and, you know, Racing TV Extra may not be for them at this stage. David, do HRI and, and, and the BHA need to, going forward? Now this deal is going to be in place in, until 2029. Do they do they need to work more closely? You know, I, I remember an incident which was incredibly frustrating. I was in the studio knowing before we'd even gone on air that there was going to be a clash because there was a three mile chase in the UK before the big race in Ireland, which was set to go off six minutes later. And and it, it, effectively it was inevitable. So, so do we need both bodies to work more closely on the big days when there's going to be a lot of racing on racing TV?
2: Oh, of course we do. That's a given. Uh Absolutely. And that needs to, that needs to happen, but it's very, very hard when there is so much. And, you know, you can kind have, of, i i have a certain amount of sympathy for for all parties here because when there is so much pushed onto the one channel um it is very very tough for things to run smoothly and the split screen is a nightmare for a lot of people and they do find it extremely frustrating it's very hard to change habits and i know you can say you can put things behind a button but it's very hard for 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 people to to get into the habit of doing stuff like that and I don't think they have, from, from just from talking to people, I don't think they've changed their habits enough in the last couple of years to do things like that. Um, the clashes are frustrating. What we want, and, and from listening to people over here, when Irish Racing was on on At The Races, as it was at the time, um, I think it felt a little bit more like you were at the races, literally. That, that was a pun I didn't even mean to do there, so it was. But it felt like you were there. It felt like you were part of the action. Because there was not as many meetings on the channel that you were getting probably more interviews on the main channel. You were getting more um, you know, paddock shots. You were getting more of the flavor of what the day at the race is actually like. And that's probably what's changed on Racing TV because there is so much racing on. You're not getting that flavor. You're going from race to race. It's bang, bang, bang. It's all racing and it's all the time. And I suppose you look at Cheltenham and you look at the big days and you say, oh my God, I'd love that to be racing TV for the Dublin Racing Festival or for Irish Champions Weekend, which Racing TV are really trying to do. And I know like my hands are obviously tidier because two of Racing TV's presenters are are, are on this call with me. But uh Racing TV are trying to do that and I know you've been over Tom Rishi you've been over Nick has been over and you know we're trying to make these big days as big as possible which is great well, we but had, it is
1: we, we had that with you know the, the, when Her Majesty the Queen passed away obviously there was no British racing on the Saturday therefore we had uninterrupted coverage on the main channel from Leopardstown day one of Irish Champions weekend and because of were being abandoned on on the Sunday mm. we had we had the colour in full as well and you know honestly we threw the kitchen sink at it and it was a pleasure to be part of but but as mm. you say um those days are, are are not often going to be possible
2: no that's the two like that's obviously one one element of and then the other thing is obviously the cost of living crisis at the moment and there will be people who you know racing fans who who won't pay and cannot afford the subscription to racing tv and then you're you're kind of alienating them i suppose but Look, that's, that's another part of it. but I, I do think for the fact now that, that racing TV ha- have won the contract and you know for the next five and six years we're going to see uh, Irish racing on racing TV, I do think Irish racing fans would would, would love to see more of, of the, the stuff wrapped around the action. but I do think that's very hard, Tom. I think your hands are tied and for all that negotiations can happen before racing when there is so or when there are so many races on. It's just a very, very hard thing to do.
1: Um, Rishi, I know you're, you're staying with me for the entirety of the, the podcast. I just want to get a couple of things um, or David's opinion on just a couple more things. Um, one of those is, um, I, I, you know, I've seen <clears throat> naturally when you, you sort of gauge opinion by by looking at the comments on um, on Twitter and social media, what, a, what an age we live in. Um, but I've seen a few comments of, you know, obviously they've gone with the most lucrative DLHRI here. Is, is that definitely the case, do you think? Do, 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 or, or is there a chance that, that money wasn't the decisive factor?
2: I have no idea, Tom, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, I don't know what factors come into it, whether it was purely a money call. I doubt it was a pure uh, decision uh, about funds. Um, I don't know what elements come into it. Obviously, when 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 Irish Racing switched over to Racing TV um, a couple of years ago, obviously, if it switched straight back to Sky Sports Racing, as it is now, It's kind of saying, okay, well, we made a mistake giving it to Racing TV and you're almost admitting the mistake almost saying if it comes straight back to Sky Sports Racing. So I wonder, was that a factor? Whereas, you know, let's 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 see how it continues on Racing TV for another five years. Let's let's keep that flow going. Let's get those personalities into homes and and continued the, the RTV Irish Racing Association. So I, I I'd say that was a, a pretty big factor as well.
1: Mm. Uh, Rish, you're also part of ITV's coverage. It's definitely worth pointing out that we have seen, um, you know, racing obviously has a home on, on RTE in in Ireland, um, but it also Irish racing has a, a terrestrial home on uh, in in British homes now because of the fact that RMG and ITV have this relationship.
4: Uh,
3: absolutely you yeah, know that is certainly something i felt was um an important element in coming to the decision the fact that uh, irish racing had the itv platform uh for big races and and it has it's certainly been regular uh, viewing of the big races on itv over the last um, year or so uh, and i think that's been a huge positive and i think that relationship as you say between rmg racing tv and itv has been key because it, it gives uh, Irish racing, uh, a, 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 an even bigger platform. That had um, a, a HRI gone with Sky Sports Racing, there would have been obviously um, less, or they wouldn't have. They wouldn't have been on the ITV platform unless things had changed discernibly. And so, I, I think that was certainly a big factor. How crucial a factor in the decision-making process? Um, you know, obviously there'll be other people who who'll know that answer,
1: not me. And, and and lastly david how influential may bookmakers have been uh, here I, I remember in um uh, richie Forrestal's article he he pointed out the the fact that and um, paddy power had withdrawn the the best odds guaranteed offer uh, at some arc tracks in, in the UK, there was also a suggestion that that um, that William Hill had uh, withdrawn uh, best odds guaranteed on on certain Irish racing with the fact that the, the, the rights were up to up for grabs. And is, is this something that over the, the course of ironing out the finer details over the next few months, we, we may get w- more wind of?
2: yeah I'd imagine so yeah yeah it will be interesting to see just how much influence it had on the decision um and you know Richie wrote a, a really good piece a couple of weeks ago about it um yeah it was it was a very interesting battle the whole way through just to to, to see how it was developing and 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 how they were going to come to this decision and you know it, it really is a big decision because twenty twenty nine is a is a long time away, and um that's that's the earliest things are going to change now obviously with this contract so there was obviously a lot of elements in the decision and it took them longer than it was supposed to take them so that would suggest to me there was a lot of you know finer details to iron out and um the fact that it did take so long you would imagine that it was a pretty close race but it's a race obviously that the racing tv is just about one tom which is obviously good news for you and richie
1: yeah and really looking forward to to covering it over the the coming years with the, the excellent irish team david thanks very much Right, Rishi. Uh, yesterday, nasty incident, at, at banger, a uh, really nasty, and, and jockey Ben Sutton uh, went to to Wrexham Hospital following that banger fall. Uh, good news that he is conscious. There was a, a social media image of him yesterday waving at the camera, wiggling his toes uh, apparently as well. So mm. um, that is good news, but it was a nasty incident.
3: Yeah, worrying. Uh, racing obviously was delayed, and when that sort of, that happens, you're watching at home and you don't know exactly what's going on. And- Immediately, the worst thoughts come to your mind as to exactly the gravity of the situation, um, and then obviously he's, t- he's t- um So to see who posted last night um, visiting Ben Sutton uh, in hospital, and Ben Sutton was thankfully Ben was smiling and able to wiggle his toes and fingers, and uh, it was it was a relief after the the worry that um, I think many racing fans would have endured whilst watching. Paul Ben, uh, a banger yesterday,
1: yeah, and we wish him a, a speedy recovery well trainer Sam thomas is it, it, really ramping up as the the season progresses um Sam quiet enough so far this season, good few runners yesterday, good few coming up this this weekend was was that sort of always the plan to to be quiet enough and then and then when the rain comes get going.
5: Um, yeah, I mean, I guess Tom, to be honest, we had the horses ready to run for, for a few weeks before, but just we're waiting for the ground, really, like a lot of trainers, I suppose. Um, so, um, you know, we didn't intend to you know, have loads of runners on one day, but that's just the way it sort of worked out in, in terms of the ground and races, essentially. But yeah, it was nice to, nice to sort of get them out early, I think, and, and sort of try and hit the ground running. You know, you can always give them a bit of a pressure the team goes after them. Uh, yeah, we've probably still got you know, two thirds of the yard ready to run, and, and another that we're just sort of waiting for, sort
1: stuff the ground a bit later on. OK, you, you could have a, a pretty busy weekend by the, the looks of it. Um, before midnight, Ascot, Grey Diamond, Ascot, I know I'm saying possibly here. Um, uh, you know, our, our power in that London Gold Cup as well, at, uh, off the back of those two in the in the previous handicap chase. Are there three lightly runners? Um, I doubt we run two
5: in the, in the two-mile chase, to be honest, Tom, uh, bit midnight. At this stage and uh, be being one hour power one in, the, in the three minor as well, so uh, yeah, tough, tough uh, for midnight this season. I'm sure, um, uh, he spent the season progressing, and um, yeah, you know, if he can you know progress again for a break, then great, but um, it will be a bit tougher for him, I'm sure, this season, off his of his off sort of you know highest ever mark, and um, yeah, but we're very lucky to have him. He's a star, and um, he was great for the season to the yard last season. He uh, won two nice pots in his first couple of races, and um. He's very much sort of trained for the first race of Cheltenham and he, like, a, after that I think it's like, a bit of a bonus to go up to you. Yeah, but he's a superstar and um, you know, although we dropped him back to two, I, there's no reason why we sort of explore a little bit further there, you know, should we need to later in the season.
1: OK, will he need the run here? Uh, I hope not, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the yeah, plan. Like, uh,
5: like, no, like, uh, to be fair, last season I'd like to say he was very much trained for Cheltenham, he had a lot of away days and, you know, that was our Gold Cup essentially and
1: Okay. Um, and um, our power he didn't win first up last year but, but then won a couple subsequently where do you have him? Yeah so it
5: was a bit of a learning curve for me with him uh, after sort of being our first sort of real season training him um, and yeah we thought he, a bit, he showed up plenty of speed at home but um, as the season progressed he showed that he's a real stayer so these um, long distance races are sort of tailor made for him he's not overly big but he's quite economical you know, with with jumping so um, good starting point for us we'd love to run him in the Corral with the old Hennessy if he could but he needs to go up in the weights to sneak in I guess um, so yeah he'll need to go and win on the weekend at least to uh, hold an entry for, uh, for that uh, that race but yeah he's in good form and uh, done lots of work um, he is one which will improve for the run there's no doubt about it he's a small bucky horse carries loads of conditions so he's as fit as we can get him but he will improve for the run no doubt
1: alright we haven't actually seen Grey Diamond for a little while since, since back in Jan how is he in, and when might we see him yeah he's
5: unfortunately, at the last, uh, and it um, took us a while to get him back right. To touch where he's in a good place now.
1: Okay, is our dancer a a, a possible for the Grand National fences in the Sefton, or no? lastly stolen silver paddy power possibly one one at cheltenham last time yeah
5: um just scored him over fences myself this morning actually i'm my brave pants on um, <laughs> but,
1: uh, he'd be grateful. um he's an absolute lunatic at home he just wants to do
5: everything at a million miles an hour um so fitness won't be any issues with him he's in a good place he's very forward um just a question of keeping him ticking long and keeping him in one piece and uh, he goes there off a the mark of 150 if it's going to be
1: Season, it wouldn't be the end of the world We'd be quite happy with that. But mm. uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they can fare off, off, off 150 at that uh, paddy bar. Exciting times. Good stuff. Thanks, Sam. Good luck. Come on. Cheers, Tom. Uh, right. Some sales news yesterday. It's something that, that Jane and I touched on um, yesterday for the previous day at the Tassels Horses in, in Training sales with, with horses set to go abroad at uh, one horse set to to stay in ireland is is high definition but rishi he's going oh. to be campaigned in a different sphere going to going to see the the one's derby favorite over hurdles with joseph o'brien
3: yes 350 grand he went for uh, at the horses and training sale and he's going over hurdles i think the cynics at the start of his 3 year old career as he, he he struggled to to get a foothold uh, in uh, his three-year-old season, suggested that one day we might see this chap over hurdles. And lo and behold, we are going to see him over hurdles. Um It's obviously disappointing in a sense that he's he's not proven as good as he looked at, at two when he he certainly looked as if he had the, the world at his feet and certainly prompted um, quite effusive uh, comments from all connected with him. Um He still achieved a very high level. I mean, he's placed in the Narrowly beaten in the Tattersall's Gold Cup, you know, that's a group one race, bona fide group one race, and um, that's the sort of level, hopefully, if you can translate it over hurdles. physically, you would always have thought, I mean, he was big, strong uh individual. Um, and you thought that if he could jump an obstacle, uh he could he could potentially still be very useful. So all is not lost, though, to the tune of three hundred and fifty grand. Um yeah, well, we shall see. Thank you.
1: That, um... That wasn't lost on me, actually. The fact that you see a few people on, on social media saying, you know, when, when a horse who's favourite for a Derby puts in perhaps a disappointing performance on the flats, I oh, can't, can't wait to see him in the Triumph next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's not going to happen because he he'll, he'll yeah. he's, a, he's a, a rising five-year-old. But, yeah, um, yeah got to be over hurdles. Yeah, um, supreme novices. Yeah, absolutely. So
3: he won't be quick enough for that, will he?
1: Uh, well, no, no, no Ballymore. Ballymore, yeah. Done. Ballymore, yeah. Job yeah. done. Great. Cheltenham chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, news from the US now here, isn't it?
0: Well, a, a very unusual and exciting opportunity has come up that you might might have read about over the last twenty-four hours or so, and that is that you can buy, yes, you really can buy, a piece of a flight line, the world's most talked about and arguably most valuable horse and certainly will be if he does what we expect him to do in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Remember he was a million dollar yearling. Well, he's worth a good bit more than that now. And 2.5% of Flightline is for sale as a fractional interest um, and that's being put up by his part owners, West Point Thoroughbreds. They will still retain a portion of the horse at Keeneland's November sale. Keeneland's vice president of sales is Tony Lacey. You'll have heard from him before on the podcast. He joins me now. Um, Tony, how how did this all come about and, and how surprised are you that the opportunities come about?
6: Well, thank you, Nick, and thanks for the opportunity to speak about it. It's it's obviously an extremely unique opportunity, uh, an extremely exciting horse. It's something that, as Lanes End and ourselves were talking about, you know, again, with opportunities to expand the. Uh, expand our outreach into a new demographic you know we say we're great to have a horse that would bring some focus into a into a new audience and then when the conversation got more in-depth and bill was saying what about flight line uh, it was certainly not one we would have expected but we we're delighted that this uh that this is sort of kept evolving into this stage and and again We've, we've vetted this out very, very carefully, and uh, so we're, we're incredibly excited about it.
0: The point people will, will be considering is, well, hang on, at the moment we don't know for sure whether Flightline is going to retire to Lane's End in, in 2023 or whether he's going to race on for a bit or all of the year, and that decision hasn't been finalized by all the partners. Does that in any way affect the, the terms of this sale?
6: Well, not really, because it is a, a no, an ownership right in the horse. Uh, and that, again, with any ownership uh, partner in, the, in the, the current syndicate, it is still under discussion. And I think a lot of the, his, his, his performance in the Breeders' Cup Classic will give, a, give this, the partners a lot of insight into what might be the best opportunities going forward. But I, I do think it's regardless of whether he races or retires, I think it's this, this horse is potentially the most uh, valuable stallion to retire to stud for, for the, in recent memory, I would, I, would, I would venture to guess. So I think regardless whether he races or not, um, again, that is a decision that's not yet been made. Uh, you're looking to gain an interest in the horse's career, whether it's racing or and or a uh, stud career, which both are extremely
0: exciting. That this gives us a, a an opportunity to actually put some sort of tangible value on a stallion. Now, insurers know values of stallions, stallion masters know values of stallions. We can put an estimate on values of them, but a horse like this, well, what 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 do you think he's worth? Well,
6: that's the- so that's an extremely good, interesting question because it's that is something that I think he's he's a horse that it's I th- I don't I think even the hard, most hardened professionals have been extremely impressed with him after his specific classic effort, and I think he's a after seeing him in the flesh on Sunday when he arrived, I'll have to say that he's probably one of the most impressive horses I've ever seen, and he's got a presence that is incredibly powerful, so I think. I'm not. Sh- uh, it would be unwise uh, of me to try and put a value on them at this point, but I can. I could safely say that there will not be many shares coming, or f- interest, in, in, interests in this horse coming up for for uh, for sale anytime soon. I think you know the the parties that are very much invested in them now are looking at the long term. So it's the exclusivity and the uh, of that of that opportunity that probably adds a little premium to it as well.
0: Uh, and Tony, clearly, this is g- going to generate revenue for the existing owners, revenue for the sales house, but perhaps more importantly for the long term, maybe revenue for the industry as a whole, because you're talking about widening the the entire experience. This is g- this is going to be a sale played out in the metaverse, which is I've got to confess a. A new one on me just explain explain how this works
6: well it's it's more it's very much in a in a in a way to outreach to a new demographic a new audience a new group of people that may not have come to keeneland may be interested in our in our in our in the atmosphere in the processes in, and and uh, so it's the voices the there will be avatars of Kurt Becker and Ryan Mahan, the auctioneer, sitting in the podium. The podium, the, uh, pla- the, the pavilion has basically been recreated in, the, in, in a virtual reality form. So if you've got those uh, got the Oculus virtual reality goggles on, you can experience almost like you're there. And it will be broadcast live in the metaverse. It's something very unique. And again, as, as we look at other sports and other other activities, they have ventured into this area and done so quite successfully. So we're, we're doing this with an experience, uh, giving people a new experience of what, what we do. And we could expand it into many other areas as well. So it's something that we're not doing as a novelty. It's something that we're looking and being very progressive in our views. And again, this is a great opportunity to, to use this platform. To, uh, to
1: sort of launch it. Rishi, innovative, exciting this is re- regarding the, the sale of a, a small share of flight line. What do you make of it?
3: Well, it is exciting. Um, the couple of elements, obviously, the fact that, first of all, the horse of this magnitude of this calibre, uh, a percentage comes up for sale. That's a rarity in itself. Um, and it will he will go for the sale on the Monday after the Brigger's Cup. Uh, so it's possible that his value will have gone up even more over the, the next week or the next couple of weeks or so um and then of course who knows what the future holds because he could end up racing on which would let, lead to obviously um the, the option of some significant prize money still to come um but of course he he has a future at stud uh, and of course that in itself is the most valuable of of what you're buying into for the, the horse's future, um, but the other aspect that um, that was mentioned in that chat was to do with the uh, the use of the metaverse and reality goggles and giving that experience of being at the sales when uh, being at home and the fact that um, Keenan are talking about you know not not it, it not just being a novelty, it being something that they will look to utilise expand going forward and. Who knows what that could offer for a race day experience? You know, if that becomes something that is feasible to enjoy, you know, through sitting in your own home or on your sofa at home and trying to and, and having the race day experience uh, through reality goggles and the metaverse. And I think they're using spatial um, as a platform. Um, that, that's quite an interesting angle for racing and race courses around the world. I mean, who knows where that could lead to? Uh, that I thought that was one of the most interesting aspects of of that conversation.
1: Mm. You looking forward to going to the Breeders' Cup?
3: I am looking forward to the, going to the Breeders' Cup. I'm, I've never been to to Keeneland, never been to Kentucky, um, so that's going to be a new experience. I'm I'm hoping to get the the opportunity to visit one or two of the the stud farms out there. That would be something.
1: <laughs> I genuinely thought. You were going to talk about food, then I honestly thought you were going to say genuinely. I mean, that goes go without saying.
3: That goes, I mean, it's. Uh, did you ever see the film Green Book?
1: Yes, yes, a dear, Great that, film.
3: That that scene where um, Viggo Mortensen um, and Mahershala Ali are going through Kentucky and they stop to buy, or Vigo Mortensen stops to buy Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's one of my favourite scenes ever in films, and it made me think that you know I should really try some some. Kentucky Fried Chicken when I go
1: out there I, I would suggest not the, the scene that everyone remembers from that film but I'm impressed that you do anyway, my segue into this was to say Amy Murphy is also looking forward to hopefully going to the Breeders' Cup, here she is Manhattan Jungle is, is very much an intended Breeders' Cup runner, Amy, I know and there are a couple of options, but she's currently a reserve on, on both lists, so where, where are you as things stand with Manhattan Jungle? Yeah, so obviously
4: we've got everything crossed at the moment. Um, Things become a bit more official uh, over stateside today. Um, But as it stands, it's looking like she's um, first reserved for the uh, sprint. Force reserve uh, for the mile. So, um, you know, realistically, we're not, unless something was scratched on uh, between now and then, we, we aren't obviously guaranteed a run at this point and, and we won't know more until um, entries Monday.
1: Hmm. Oh, the joy of cutting it fine. So, <laughs> great.
4: <laughs> so, but, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's so uh, the owners and I just said we'd sort of have to make a decision today on, you know, I think I think if she's first reserve, we kind of have to travel um because it'd be you know it, it'd be mad not to and then see one horse come out and, and, and we could have got to run mm.
1: so alright so, so first and foremost so so the, the the mile is less likely is that ideal for you as well because you'd rather run in the sprint or not? Um, I
4: think to be honest we were sort of more gearing towards the mile um in the sense that we you know she sort of she gets the six furlongs here so they t- if they tend to get the six furlongs here they tend to see the mile out especially around somewhere like keeneland um whereas the sprint is you know there's no let up it is an absolute end-to-end rock and roll um you know pace whereas we were hope you know we thought at least in the mile she'd be able to sort of travel and, 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 and be in a comfort zone down the back straight and then and then she'd either stay or she wouldn't but um, you know it's still it, it's hugely exciting to, to a team of our size and you know to to have a horse like her to, to to even be talking about for these races, so um, and she's done. You know, she's done very little long this year. Um, so no, we, we're we're just excited and it's now out of anticipation and the hope that she can get a run.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So was she was she based out in France as part of the satellite yard when she when she ran out there?
4: Yeah. So we sent her out there in April, and she was based out there from April until July. Um, and then the last two trips, she's she's sort of shipped from 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 our
1: new market base. Okay, and, w- and will you do that again, Amy, with the satellite? Yeah?
4: Uh we'll definitely be trying. Um, cool. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of a no-brainer. we we we, we picked up sort of two hundred. Thousand and, and and a few black type places, and also sold a couple of horses well off the back of the black type places. So it was a real uh, success during the three months. Um, it gets it gets a little bit tricky trying to get the second license, uh, second time round. So we're in the process of, of, of shortly trying to apply and, and, and see what happens.
1: Okay, you did too well. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. it's always, always a good position, thankfully. <laughs> um, exactly. And Amy, obviously great for you to have Eclipse Thoroughbreds on board. Um, Tell us how that came about.
4: Yeah, I mean, obviously they're a huge owner um, over in America and and amazing to have them on board um, in our team. Aaron, uh, who who manages them, has been uh, thoroughly um, amazing from start to finish. Um, Hopefully we're not finished. (laughs) uh, But yeah, uh, the, the contact came through Jamie Lloyd when they purchased her um, after, after her maiden, and um, no, we're just you know we were they've, we've had a great great ride together through the through the summer, and um, you know off the back of it we've we bought a few yearlings for them, um, so you know it's just uh, really exciting to have them um, in Europe because they're obviously such a huge success uh, with the likes of Nest this year and everything like that mm. over in over in America.
1: Well, look, fingers crossed it all it, it, the plan all comes together and, and you get your run as you deserve at the Breeders' Cup. So good luck. Thank you very much. All right, we're going to Hong Kong now because it's Wednesday. Here's Jim McGrath.
7: There's a certain Melbourne flavour to the podcast this week. And in keeping with that, I have to report that the arrival of a Melbourne Cup-winning jockey is eagerly awaited in Hong Kong. And that jockey is Jai McNeil who went into the record books as the rider of Twilight Payment, who won the 2020 Melbourne Cup for Joseph O'Brien and a group of owners that included Lloyd Williams and Jim Bolger, who bred Twilight Payment. Jai McNeil is 28. He's the current Victorian champion jockey, and he's badly needed in Hong Kong at the moment, that's for sure. With Joe Marrera and Karis Teaton still on the sidelines with medical issues, and Sylvester D'Souza serving out another suspension, Zack Furton, the champion, is running riot. Zack has ridden 28 winners this season and he's already 15 ahead of nearest rival Vincent Ho. Zach needs some opposition, desperately. Jai McNeil will provide some rivalry, of sorts, but he's suffered one little hiccup already. He's copped a, a careless riding ban at a country meeting in Victoria and the ban won't finish until November the 11th. He misses the Melbourne Cup, and he can't ride in Hong Kong till after that date. He'll be licensed and co- till Christmas, so he'll have time to make up some lost ground in his pursuit of prize money riches, and he'll be set to ride at the Hong Kong International Meeting at Sha Tin on December the 11th. As I say, Zack is dominating, and I, I expect him to ride quite a few winners at Sha Tin today. Yes, that's right, Sha Tin. Happy Valley is rested this week. There's a nine-race car to chart in and all races are on the dirt track under lights. Zach's best is King's Shield in the Class 2 Handicap Race 4. King's Shield was formerly with John Gosden a few years ago. He actually finished fifth in a St James's Palace for Gosden. And recently, King Shield has been uh, campaigning internationally. He went to Korea. He raced in Seoul. He finished ninth in an invitation there. He was beaten over 24 lengths. And basically, he took no interest when he couldn't get the lead. Well, he's back in Hong Kong now. He's had a couple of barrier trials. And he looks fit and ready for this task and expecting to lead. Expect Zach Purden to go straight to the front and dictate terms. So race four, number one, King Shield, to beat number three, Berlin Tango, who's uh, raced in similar interests. So watch for, watch for those red and black striped colours. Zach Purton also has a big chance in race five. Number three, Fiery Diamond, who comes there off the back of a recent win. And also he can land the last race, race nine, number six, Handsome 12, who's also a recent winner for Benno O'Young. So race nine, number six, Handsome 12, take him in uh, all multiples and also a toad swinger with number five,
1: Ultra Express.
7: That's the Hong Kong Beat this week. I'll have more for you next week.
1: All right, a couple more questions to, to finish up with, Rishi. First of all, who wins a Charlie Hall?
3: I am going to say Ahoy Senor for me. Um, Tom, I think that um, my belief is that raw ability he's probably got half a length on Brave Man's game. I think Brave Man's game has proved the more consistent jumper um, and that would be the issue. But if Ahoy Senor's jumping is better now, uh, a season down the line, then I think he'll have the edge over Brave Man's game.
1: Mm, interesting. Um, you? I think Brave Man's Game will win the King George,
3: right? Charlie Ball? <laughs>
1: mm, I'm. I yeah. I'd, I. am finding that difficult. It all depends on the prices they go off, doesn't it? But I, I'm not sure yeah. I'd have Brave Man's Game bang at the top of the betting for this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. How's that for fence sitting?
3: Brilliant. Uh, but you know, thank you.
1: Yeah I say I think Braveman's going to win the King George. I mean that depends whether Alaho rocks up because I I wasn't necessarily right. expecting that at the at, you know yeah. at the end of last yeah. season but mm, so there we are. Of course. Uh, who knows
3: where long presser is going to run. Yeah. No, that's that's the Gold Cup winner.
1: Oof. Last year's three mile novice chase winner. Yeah. Nearly caught at the RSA. Right. Uh, final question. Yes, Who's going yeah. to win today? Uh
3: I'm going to the Curra. For my selection today, Tom, it is immutable in the 140. he's had three runs so far in the space of a month, and he's, he's progressed quite quickly. the son of Muharai he's got top weight in a nursery first time in a nursery. but I think he's, um, he's comfortably the best horse in the race and he, he, he obviously has won on heavy ground before and it's very testing there at the current today. I expect him to win
1: again. Rishi, great stuff. Thanks to everyone at home for for listening. Thanks to David Jennings as well for joining us at the top of the show for that extended piece on the Irish racing rights. And we'll be back doing it all again tomorrow. Probably Nick in the the hot seat there who's now settled into Melbourne. Speak to you then. Bye-bye.
0: You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares,